Well, 1030, it is so great to be with you today. We are excited for what God is doing here uh, this morning. I've got some friends that are passing you a note card. You'll need that in just a little bit. But man, uh, if you are a first-time guest here with us today, we want to say welcome to you. We are delighted and thankful that you chose to be with us because you could have been anywhere and you picked Propel Church on a cold morning. And so thank you. Anybody else like weirded out that it was like 104 weeks ago and now it's like 20 degrees? (laughs) My body is like, quit messing with me. But we're so grateful that you're here. Church, could you do me a favor? Could you help me welcome everybody here for the first time? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, and if you're tuning in online with us, we're excited that you're here today as well. But one of the things that we believe is that church online is a supplement, not a substitute. And so if you ever find yourself in Mount Pleasant, we would love for you to join us. If you're looking for a home church and you don't have one in your area, send our team a message on Facebook and we'd love to help you connect with a church. Uh, We're excited for this new message series that we're going to enter into today. It's all on Luke chapter 15, but I got a couple of things I want to do before We do that. So tomorrow is uh, Veterans Day, and so I want to give honor where honor is due. If you have served in the armed forces or if you are a part of a a family of someone who's served, would you do me a favor for just a moment? Will you stand to your feet and let us honor you today? Come on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You can be seated. Uh, We realize and don't take it lightly that we have the ability to worship here today because of those who have fought for our freedom. And we're so grateful and thankful for that. Before I dive into my message, too, um, maybe you're here today because we got a big announcement. And so uh, I wanted to tell you a little bit about it. So last weekend, we had one huge weekend, which was incredible. We had a blast there. And I told you, next Sunday, I got an announcement for you. And then I kind of like tricked you. I was like, and I'll give you a hint. I'm going to tell you next Sunday. And you'd probably like me to quit talking around the bush and just get to what my announcement is. Um, but no, I'm so excited for this. And so I want to go ahead and tell you, uh, and then we'll make it official online uh, later on this afternoon, but Christmas 2019, we're moving into our new home. So come on. Yeah. And, uh, and you may be thinking like, oh, that's incredible. Like the facility is finished and everything's perfect. It's not. <laughs> In fact, it's not that way at all. But here's what w- we realize. Um, we feel like in order to be good stewards of the financial resources that God's entrusted us with, that the best move for us to make is to not just continue to rent this facility and then work on the one up the road when we have the facility in good enough condition to move in, and together we're going to work on it as we go. And so I'll tell you a little bit more information about that, but we are moving in at Christmas of this year, and to go ahead and tell you what our Christmas experience stuff looks like, um, we have three experiences for Christmas, two on that Sunday, December 22nd, that's our first official Sunday in our new home, and on the 23rd, we're doing a Monday night, that's Christmas Eve Eve at 7 p.m. So three identical opportunities for you to pick from. We're actually going to do tickets for you because uh, we believe we're going to pack the place out and we are pumped about it because we don't just do buildings so that we can do buildings. We do buildings so that lost people can meet Jesus. And that's what we're pumped about. So excited for that, excited for that so much. And it's not a coincidence that God has us starting on Luke chapter 15 in this season uh, as we're gearing up for a new facility. And I'll tell you why. Um, I believe that what the local church needs more than anything else is to clearly understand what God did for them and how it impacts the lives of other people. 
because I realize that I only have a limited number of people that I can reach in my lifetime. And so if we built this, this church to really be structured around me, which we don't, then it would just be based on my ability to tell your friends and family about Jesus. And I don't think that's what God wants. Because the Great Commission says that we go and make disciples. It doesn't say pastors and teachers go and make disciples. It's an everybody who follows Jesus' commission. So my goal and my role is to help you understand what God did for you and package it in a way that you can easily share it with other people. And so I want to take us into Luke chapter 15. Over the next three weeks, we're going to hit the three stories that we find in Luke chapter 15. Luke 15 is one of the, probably the most favorite chapters in all the Bible, not just for me, but for a lot of people, because it goes over the character of God, the mission of God, and the heart of God. And, and, and so I want to unpack it with you. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be available on the screen. Luke chapter 15, I'm going to read verse 1 through 7 today, and this is what it says below. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he is found, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. And in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner, or lost sinner, who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are, real, who are righteous and haven't strayed away. I'm going to pray for us one more time. We're going to open this and unpack it. Father, we love you. And we thank you that your word speaks volumes. We thank you that your word does not return void. And we ask that as we open your word and break it down, that you would speak to us more clearly than we've ever heard you before. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. So Luke chapter 15, we've just kind of unpacked a couple of things. I'm going to give you four, maybe 11 things today for you. I'm just kidding. You're going to get four things to remember today. And as we're talking through this passage of scripture, I would encourage you to take great notes because the end game is that you're equipped to share Jesus with other people. So if you go to Luke chapter 15 and you open up in verse one, the first thing that you're going to recognize is that Jesus or God meets sinners where they are through Jesus. So the opening of this story in Luke chapter 15 reads like this. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Tax collectors were considered some of the most hated people in the culture in this period of time. And you may be thinking, they're still hated. Not the point. Not the point. Tax collectors would carry out orders from Rome to tell these people, hey, you need to give us a certain amount of money, but they got a little bit greedy. And so Rome may have said it was 5%, but these tax collectors said it was 10%. And then they got to keep all the profit, but they had all of the military backing of the governing authorities over them. So these people were terrified and knew that these tax collectors were basically stealing from the poor to become rich. And they were only becoming wealthier and wealthier. They were greedy. They were liars. They were cheats. And they were thieves. Not only that, it says there are other notorious sinners who are coming to listen to Jesus teach. 
These were adulterers and drunkards and people who had all kinds of issues in this period of time. And the very beginning of Luke chapter 15 starts like that because God wants you and I to know he is not afraid of broken and messy people. If you're here today and you find yourself in a place where you have issues, I want to say, welcome to the club. Because literally, you and I, Jesus says, that, that I did not come for the well. This is Mark 2, 17. I didn't come for the well, for the well don't need a physician. I came for the sick to save sinners. God knew from the very beginning he was getting involved with broken, messed up, jacked up, hurting people. And he chose to come for you and I anyways. It wasn't like God was blinded and, and he sent Jesus and then all of a sudden realized, Oh, snap, they got problems. Because Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ came to die for us. God knew we had issues, and he chose to come. One of the things I love is it doesn't just say that Jesus goes to them. It says that tax collectors and other notorious sinners came to listen to Jesus teach. If you're preaching the gospel in an effective way, broken people are actually drawn to it. Like, the church shouldn't look perfect. I remember we were like uh, three, four months old as a church, and there was a guy who came in on a Sunday morning, and he was drunk. Like, not like, not like oh, he'd been kind of drinking. No, he was like skunk drunk. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> loaded. And they're like, well, what do we do? We find him a seat. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but like, what if, yeah, we get him a seat, because the best thing he could do is hear about how good God is today. I believe we're called to be a church filled with broken and hurting people, but we're also called to be a church that doesn't just stay broken and hurting when God has invited us into a new way of living. So first thing is that God meets sinners where they are through Jesus. Eating with these people in this period of time was worse than just association. It implied that they were welcomed and that they had recognition. And so if you're here today and you are what would be considered a liar, cheat, thief, drunkard, adulterer, whatever your issue is, you need to know that God from the very beginning says, you are welcomed and I see you here today. Number two, God isn't satisfied with one person being lost. God isn't satisfied with one person being lost. Now, if I had a hundred sheep, um, I went out into the field I saw these hundred sheep. I go back inside of my little house and I come back outside and I look and there's a hundred sheep. Can I be honest? I'm not going to recognize that one is missing. Like at all. And maybe you're like an ultra observant individual, um, but I'm not. So I would look out into the field and be like, yep, looks right. And I just keep moving. But God's not like that. See, the shepherd, in order to realize that something is missing, has to know these sheep individually. So the shepherd is standing in the field and he's like, oh man, Sam is gone. It says this in Luke chapter 15 verse 4, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? The, The first thing he does is he recognizes that something that belongs to him is gone. And you and I need to understand that because we are made and created in the image of God, God has ownership of our lives. We belong to him. These sheep belong to the shepherd. 
You and I are made and handcrafted because you have breath in your lungs today. God made you. And he recognizes when you're gone. So he looks onto the sheep and realizes that he's got 99. And if I'm the shepherd at that time, I'm thinking, it's only one. That's not that bad. 99 sheep? That's pretty good. But parents, some of y'all got like five to seven kids and and you, you go through Concord Mills and you lose one of them. You're not like, praise God, got six more. <laughs> no. Because you know your children individually. And God's the same way. See, when God created you and I, he created us to live in perfection with him. He created us in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 to do life with him, to do communion with him, to be walking hand in hand, foot in foot, stride in stride with God. And when sin enters the world, God comes into the garden and he asks Adam, where are you? Not because he didn't know where he was locationally, but spiritually there's now a disconnect because God is holy and cannot coexist with sin. And now God's looking at Adam, and he's not saying, where are you? He's saying, you're lost. And God makes a covering for them that day. Luke chapter 15 continues the story to say that, that when a man has a hundred sheep and one goes away, won't he leave the 99 others? Like, this is not an optional thing in, in Jesus' story. He's not like he might go, he might leave them. He's got a really tough decision to make. No, he says, won't he? Like, like there's no other alternative than for God to look on to lost people and go, yeah, yeah, cool. 99 sheep, great. You stay together. I'm going after the one who's lost. And that's the way God works every time. And so you may be saying, but, but I'm not lost anymore. I'm found. Yeah, you're, in, you're with the 99 sheep. And the reason why God can leave you to go after the one is because there's safety in your numbers. If you look at the whole gospel, so there's a, a popular teaching right now that's going, oh, I can just, me and God, we do our own thing. I don't need the church. If you think you don't need the church, you don't read your Bible. You need the church. Because <laughs> you need a community of people. <laughs> I can't slap people sometimes, but you want to, right? Because some people, here's what they go, they go, oh, 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 I don't need church. But here's the thing, my wife and I are a package deal. You can't come to me and go, Nick, I love you, but I just I don't love your wife. The church is the bride of Christ. You don't get Jesus without his bride. It's a package deal. And the reason why God, because it wouldn't be honoring of God to just bring you, to, to, to say you're found and then leave you to wander on your own. No, he places you in a family for protection, for covenant, for relationship. It's not based on convenience. God leaves it. And for us, that's why we are so passionate about lost people here at Propel Church. Like, literally every decision we make is with lost people in mind. The things we do and the things we intentionally don't do are filtered through the lens of how it impacts people who are far from God. It's the whole reason why we have a 60 to 65 minute service every single Sunday. And you, you may be thinking, well, Pastor, when's, when's it going to get longer? It's not. It's not, well, I really love worship. That's great. You're in the 99. Lost people really matter. And so, so here's the thing, and, and we've talked about it at a leadership level. There are times where we make decisions, and they're not what we prefer most, but it's what lost people need most. Yeah. 
And that's how you have to make decisions. You're like, well, pastor, you know, you're, you're a pretty good teacher. And I say, thank you. And, but, but, like, but like, you know, my last church, pastor taught for an hour. That's great. Listen to him on Monday. Because yeah. you're not going to get it from me. Because lost people matter. And we build it 60 to 65 minutes every single Sunday because, number one, lost people don't worship. So we're not going to make you stand for an hour if you don't know God and not do anything because you're not worshiping when you sing. Right. And number two, we're not going to just drag you through a whole bunch of teaching that you may not even understand because the Holy Spirit is who brings revelation to the truth of God's word. So our goal is to just get you into an environment where you get to meet Jesus. And then from that point forward, we're going to plug you into the, to the fold. We're going to plug you into the group so that you get into the 99 and you can grow in biblical community. Because it's not just a one-stop shop on Sunday mornings. We're so passionate about lost people here at Propel. And that's never going to change. Because the truth is, if you're a follower of Jesus today, God's focus is no longer on you. He looks at you and he loves you. And he placed you in a family for a reason. His focus is on that which is lost. Parents, you know, some of you have lost your kids before and the feelings, I, I'm not a parent, so I can't, I can't relate with that, but you know the feeling when your kid is missing. You know the feeling of what it, what it feels like to know that they may be out there and they're all alone and you don't know where they're at and you don't know what they're going to do and you know that may, maybe they're not in the right place to make decisions for themselves and that's literally how God feels in heaven every single day when he looks down at the world and sees people who don't know him. He's thinking they're sheep without a shepherd. They're lost. and They need to be found. We'll keep reading number three for you this morning. God carries us back to the other sheep through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. I'll say it again. So if you're taking notes, you get brownie points in heaven. God carries us back to the other sheep through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It's important for you and I to understand that God, or the shepherd in this story, uh, doesn't make the sheep leave. So the sheep is not lost because the shepherd kicked him out. The sheep is lost because of the decisions that it made. You and I are in the same boat. If we're going to understand the story, we have to understand that God lays this out for us because we are the sheep. Because of sin, we have gone astray. We have walked away. We are outside of the family of God, and we are now lost. But God go back to Genesis, created us to be in the family, to be plugged in, to be connected. And the expectation of the sheep in this story is not that it somehow magically finds its way back. No, the shepherd goes to the sheep. And it says in Luke chapter 15 verse 5, and when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. In other words, the shepherd has to do something in order for you to get back into the family. God had to send Jesus to come and die in our place so that he could carry us back to the family that he first intended us to be a part of. It only happens through Jesus. 
And sometimes we feel like, well, if we work hard enough, if we do enough good things, you know, I, I, I think, you know, the shepherd has a crook. And so I would think that, like, maybe, maybe if I, I really want to make sure the sheep is well equipped for life, I'm going to come behind him. I'm going to take my little shepherd's crook and I'm going to, like, crook him to the left and crook him to the right. You know, right. I'm not going to start a rap song for you right there. But, like, and I would just kind of guide him. And so we go a little bit and I'd kind of direct him. And then, you know, maybe, 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 like, Hey, we're, we're going a little too right, so I'm just going to redirect the sheep. And he doesn't do that. The shepherd comes, and he picks the sheep up, and he carries him. Because in order to be back with the family of God, you have to be carried. It's only through Jesus that that happens. I was talking with Tori after the first experience, and she said that one of the coolest things is, is that the, the shepherd would put the sheep on his shoulders. And another reason why he would do it is because he could talk to the sheep the whole time and the sheep would learn to recognize his voice. Because God's going to put you back down after he carries you and places you in the family, but the voice you know is going to be the one that you follow. And for some of us, we've listened to the voice of the enemy for so long that when God begins to speak, we don't recognize it's him. So the closer you can get to the shepherd, the more you can learn his voice, the better off you'll be in the family. So when he arrives, he calls his friends and his family together and he says, Rejoice because I have found my lost sheep. God is taking ownership. In Genesis chapter, chapter 3, God covers Adam and Eve. In Luke chapter 15, he carries them. But the only way that we come back into the family of God is through Jesus. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 5 says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. That's us, so that we might receive adoption to sonship. I'll translate it for you. God sent Jesus to come, to die in our place, to carry us back to the family of God through his death. We don't get there any other way. The reason why we're adopted is because of what Jesus did for you and I. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. We get to simply receive it because God loves us that much. Fourth thing for you is this. God celebrates when lost things become found. So Jesus dies for you on the cross. And like when he dies for you, he does it joyfully because he knows that his death means that you and I get to not only receive the payment of our sins, but we get to be reunited into the family. Like we get to go back to Genesis 1, the way we were created, and that brings joy to the heart of God. Then we read in this last part of Luke chapter 15, verse 7, that in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one. Now, when I think about heaven, I think perfection because it's perfect. There's no sickness, no pain, no suffering. I didn't know that there were levels of joy in heaven until you read this passage where it says there's more joy. In other words, in heaven, there's, it's a party, right? Sometimes we think like heaven is like a church service. And for some of you, you're like, I can't wait. And others of you, if you don't like your church, you're like, I don't know if I want to go. Um, <laughs> if you don't like your church, we could totally help you find one. So Luke 15, verse 7. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So what heaven is rejoicing about is not the faithfulness of the 99 who stayed. It's rejoicing 
about the one person that was lost becoming found. And truthfully, that's a tough pill to swallow if you're a follower of Jesus sometimes. And we're going to read some stuff on the prodigal son later on. And, but really, like, there's two options. It's to celebrate with what heaven celebrates about or get mad because we feel like it should be about us when it's not. Yeah. Heaven has joy over one lost sinner who repents. So like last week, we celebrate numbers here at Propel Church because we believe that every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. Right. We believe that wholeheartedly. We bank on that very thing. And so last Sunday, um, we had 371 people in attendance, and it was incredible, incredible. But you know what heaven celebrated over? The fact that like seven people gave their life to Jesus. Like, like that's... That's what heaven rejoices over. And so if you want to know why we celebrate and why we rejoice and why we clap and why we cheer, is because we're celebrating what heaven is pumped about. And so like for me, the goal is not just that the church gets bigger. It's that lost people meet Jesus. And if your focus is that lost people meet Jesus, the end result is that the 99 actually become 200. <laughs> The, the family gets bigger because one lost person at a time who transitions from light, darkness to light, from death to life, goes from being lost to being connected to the family. It's not a fast growth model. I believe it's the one that God orchestrates and ordains. So I gave you a note card earlier. And the reason why I gave you a note card earlier is because there's a lot of you in here who You've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And because you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're no longer uh, the lost sheep. But if you don't remember the fact that you were a lost sheep at one point, you're going to become like the Pharisees who complain about the very thing that God loves. And my goal for you is to think about one person who you need to invite to come to church with you next Sunday. And, and the goal is not just that the church has another big weekend, lots of numbers. Here's the goal. I was reading through Luke chapter 15, the next section of this, uh, this series. Thank you. Whatever, this, whatever that is. Um, reading through the next section of what I'm going to teach you next Sunday. And I believe that it's going to be one of the most clearest gospel presentations we've ever had as a church. And I want you to have the opportunity to see your friends and family meet Jesus. And so I'm asking you to take a second and think. You've got that note card in front of you. Who's the one lost person in your life that you can bring with you next weekend? And I'm not going to ask you to like bring it down forward and lay it on the stage. I'm asking you to keep it in your pocket. And every time you like feel it in your pocket this week and you open it, it's going to be a reminder that you need to make that next step and bring somebody with you next Sunday. Because the goal is that lost people become found and that found people get delivered and that delivered people get mobilized. That's the end goal. So if you're in the family of God, if, you, if you're not lost anymore but God has found you, the next step for you is to start living out your faith. Because I think what God is doing in the next season of our church 
is he's shifting some people from just being sheep to becoming shepherds who go after the 99, or who go after the one, who go after the things that are lost, who go after the people that are lost. And what I'm not doing is asking you to leave the church. What I am asking you to do is to leverage the other 167 hours you have in your week. Like I'm asking you to leverage your Monday through Saturday to meet lost people where they are, to help them know that there was a God in heaven who loved them so much that he was willing to leave everything to find them. That they mean so much to God that until they become a part of the family of God, God notices and recognizes the fact that they're lost because he made them, handcrafted them, and created them, and he loves them so much that he was willing to go after them. That he was willing to chase them down and run them down so that he could have a relationship with him. And you showing up to church every week, man, that's awesome. I celebrate that. Here's what's even better. Bring in lost people with you every single Sunday. Here's what I'm not telling you to tell your friends. Because some of y'all are like, I don't know how to invite somebody to church. I'm not telling you to go up and say, hey, pastor told me to invite the most jacked up person I know. And uh, you're it. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) Because I won't take credit for that one. (laughs) I'm asking you to go, hey, I... My church is in this series on Luke 15, and I think you'd really enjoy it. Will you come sit with me next Sunday? Afterwards, we can go out to lunch, and we can talk about it. And Because here, here's what I'm going to promise you. Some of you grew up in churches, and like you could never invite people to church. Because maybe you came from a background where it was nothing but fire and brimstone, and all you heard was truth, 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 and there was no grace at all, and that's not from God. Maybe you were on the opposite end and there was nothing but grace, grace, grace. And it was so spooky, kooky, and weird. You, you were like, I don't know what Sunday's going to look like. I know I can't invite people. We live in the middle. Because we really want to make a place where lost people can meet Jesus. And where it's not weird and it's not relational. So next Sunday, here's what I'm telling you. It's not going to look any different than what we normally do. Because we want people to come in, meet Jesus. And they get connected to the family. And when they get connected to the family, God's going to begin to work on all those other things in their life that he wants to deal with. That's why I don't feel the responsibility to stand on stage every weekend and tell you that you got a whole lot of issues and that you're jacked up inside. I think the Holy Spirit does a good enough job of that on his own. And if you can just get around Jesus for long enough, he'll talk to you about those things that he wants to change. So here's what I want to do. You've got those names. You've thought about those I want you to write those down. I want you to fold it up. I want you to put it in your pocket. And next Sunday, bring somebody with you. Because I'm believing that the word that God has entrusted me with next Sunday is going to be one that he brings so many to repentance over. Because the cool thing is, it's not the truth of God that brings people to repentance. It's not a great service that brings people to repentance. It's the kindness of God that brings man to repentance. And if people could just see how kind and loving our Heavenly Father is, I think it will change their life forever. But there are some of you here today who you were like, man, that's cool, cool, bring lost people to church. But like, I feel like I'm that sheep. I feel like I'm in the middle of the field and I'm wandering and I'm lost and I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do with my life. I know that, that I don't have a shepherd. I know that, man, God is really this foreign concept to me. 
and I've got all these questions that I don't know what to do with, and I don't know the direction of my life, and I'm not telling you that you're going to get answers to all that today. But here's what I know, that if you're the one that's dictating the course and direction of your life, you're always going to end up lost. But the moment you surrender control of your life to God, it doesn't fix it. (laughs) Please hear me say, if somebody ever tells you that your life gets easier when you start following Jesus, they're a liar. It gets harder. But the end result, so worth it. So for just a moment, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'd say, hey, pastor, that's me. I, I know I don't have a relationship with God. Here's what God isn't asking you to do. He's not asking you to to fix yourself. He's not asking you to get it all together. He's just simply asking you to let him pick you up and carry you back to the family of God. He's asking you to accept that what he did for you on the cross as the payment of your sin was enough. Because just as the shepherd carries The sheep, Jesus carried a cross for you and for me. And today is our opportunity to respond to the good news. That God meets sinners where they are. He dies in their place. And through your belief in Jesus, you can have everlasting life. That's you today and you need to make that decision. Would you just lift your hand really quick and say, hey, that's that's me. I see those. I see this. Here's what we're going to do. No one's going to pray alone. We're all going to pray together. Dear Jesus, say this with me. I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I can have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate with what heaven celebrates about? Stand to your feet for a moment. Come on. We're going to continue in worship together. And every now and then people ask, well, hey, Pastor, like, like, why do we pray that prayer together every week? And there's two reasons. The first one is if, if someone who doesn't know God wants to say that prayer, it can be intimidating to be the only one who says it. And so we all say it together so that lost people feel more comfortable making that step and decision. But here's the other reason. I say that prayer the same way, and our team says that prayer the same way every single Sunday. Because if you come 52 times a year, that's 52 times for the the ability to lead people to Jesus to get implanted into your soul. Because I believe that God's going to open up some divine opportunities for you to lead your friends and family to Jesus. And you may feel like you don't know how to do it. Here's the thing. You do it every single Sunday. You literally do it every week. So we want to train you. We want to equip you so that light can shine best in darkness. Let's continue to worship. We're going to sing What a Beautiful Name.